Hey, I hope you enjoyed episodes one and two of my episode on empowering entrepreneurs with Glenn Harper. Um, But now I want to give you episode three. So episode three, we get into some of the details as to how you get better as a golfer and like building a business, like it just takes time and you got to work at it. And there's really not a minute clinic quick fix formula, but really just sweat and tears and hard work. And we kind of get into that. And we also talk about like, when is the right time to really dive into improvement? Like, when is the time that you want to really work on taking your game to the next level? So uh, hope you enjoy and be sure to stay tuned for episode four of Stockshot Secrets, where I'm on empowering entrepreneurs. So the big question is this, how do passionate golfers like you and me maximize our potential and build consistency without having to try a new tip every time we hit the links? That was the question, and this is the podcast that will give you the answer. My name's Kyle Morris, and welcome to Stock Shot Secrets. You have a uh, dream client that you would love to co- to teach or coach? I mean, obviously it's not me because I can't get in to see it, but is there somebody out there that you're like, man, I see that, I've seen that guy on the you know, TV or watched them play. And if I could just get 10 minutes with them, I could change. You're saying as a tour player, no, or anybody out there that you could coach and teach how to play golf better. Who would you love to bring in your fold and teach them how to be the best Mm. they can be? I'm going to love this. If you say like your wife, So if I had, it's not because she wouldn't even do it. No, she'd say, Kyle, shut up. Don't talk to me. <laughs> do it about. Yep. Um, if I had, so tour player, if I had any player. Or on, anybody in the okay. world. Like any, like who's the dream player? Man, that that guy, that girl, whoever. Um, I actually have, I think that that helping, I think I could do quite a bit on a tour. I'll ask in both ways. I think, I think helping, um, I have a buddy who's good for, friends with Ricky Fowler. I think that if Ricky came with what with how we teach and what we do, I think we could help Ricky quite a bit. He's going to um, hear this thing and he's going to yeah. reach out to you. I, just I think know Jason it. Jason Day would be, you know, him and I, I had reached out to him. To, I think that he's been kind of going through, kind of trying to figure it out a little mm-hmm. bit the last couple of years. Um, I think I could help him quite a bit. I think that would be fun. And then on a on a personal side, um, there's a guy named Russell Brunson who I really like his marketing stuff. It's probably who I get a lot of my marketing stuff from. Um, I think just hanging out with him for for a period of time is fun. But I think it's just, you know, one thing is people are always like, hey, Kyle, like, who do you like to, who do you like to work with? You know, like, you only work with really good players? Like, no, absolutely not. Like, I just like working with players who are passionate about getting better. Whether you shoot 100 or 65, I don't really care. If you shoot 65 and, like, you're not coachable and you want to blah, 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 I go, I don't even want to hang out with you. You know, so, and and it, so it's really just someone who has a desire to, to learn. So, I mean, um, you know, I just started working with like Evan Turner from, you know, who played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's been amazing, like super coachable and like he wants to learn, wants to learn. Right. He just picked up golf like two weeks ago. And then you have other people who shoot 68 or 70 and they're not coachable. And you go, I, I, I don't want to be around you. So this I had this one. This other question. We didn't get to it earlier, but, you know, this is a very serious question. Why would a prospective student trust your judgment as a golf instructor Seeing how you settle in Columbus, Ohio, where you can only play golf six months a year, seems like you would be more credible if you settled in like Indiana or Mississippi. Indiana or Mississippi? Yeah, those are great golfing meccas. What? <laughs> His no, judgment. So, yeah, judgment. You all know. Yeah. So, but but I think that actually, so people will always be like, um, I was doing a lot of stuff for Golf Channel for a while, and they're like, why don't you just go open a facility down in Florida? Boca and I go, Baton. I go, that's a terrible idea. And they go, why is that? And I go, because. 
The truth is, is that if I give you a lesson, Glenn, and you go out and I give you a lesson today and you go play tomorrow and you're mm-hmm. going to try it and you're going to go, this doesn't work. What's the new tip, right? Whereas in Ohio, um, if someone comes and they say, hey, Kyle, I'm going to come take lessons like when the season starts. I'm going to car- start coming in April. I go, that's a terrible idea. I go, well, you need to come see me in November, right? Because November, if you see me in November or October, that actually gives me like four or five months where we can do pure motor pattern training, like make your stuff better so that when you hit the golf course in April or May, you're not having to think about what you're doing and how, I mean. It's natural. It's Yeah, it's more ingrained. Whereas if you're like, I'm going to get a tip in May, like it's, it's you know, you got to work at it. There's no doubt that like if someone's like, I'm going to get one lesson, like that's fine. But like you're, you still have to go practice. I had a guy yesterday um, who came in and he had, he had booked six lessons with me. He had booked six consecutive weeks of lessons with me, right? And he came in yesterday um, and he's hitting balls and I go, listen, like, I don't really know what more to tell you. Like, you just need to go work at it. When you work, when you set up like your feedback station, your practice station, it's good. But like, I don't have magic fairy dust. Like, you still have to earn it. It's, it's no different than the entrepreneur. Like, they could call me and say, hey, Kyle, I want you to consult my business and tell me what we can do. So they do it and I go, okay, great. You need to go do this. And then they call me in the next week and they go, okay, so what should I do? I go, well, I already told you. Did like, you not do it? Yeah. You have to do it. So there's people that do things and there's people that say things. There's no shortcuts. <laughs> right. That's so a general like, rule. Work yeah, hard. So. And I think probably one of the, I think one of the reasons that, I, that last question was more of a joke because it's not the fact that most entrepreneurs, they, for them to be successful at what they do, they have to believe passionately in what they do, that yeah. they're making a difference in whatever. And it's when you're teaching somebody, like you said, it doesn't matter what their handicap is. It's the, the commitment to helping them achieve their goals as your client to help them get better. And you have to really truly care about that. Like you can't just sort of say, well, you'll get a few balls. Yeah, do this, change your angle and whatever. And you're fine. But I don't think that's how you do it. I think you have this holistic approach. And as an entrepreneur, when you can, believe in what you do so well that you can resonate that with your clients, they're going to be loyal to you forever. Right. I mean, I think yeah. that's, the, and that's, that's, what I, part. that's what, you know, if you, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, like if you listen to and read any Napoleon Hill stuff and he talks about definiteness, definiteness of purpose, like there's purpose to what you're doing and the, the re, like you're wholeheartedly behind why you're doing it and what you're doing. And there's a vision behind it. And that's, that's clout, that's surrounded with this bubble of optimism. And then when you do that, you go, now you're just like a freight train running down down the track and you go, get out of my way. It's like Napoleon Dynamite when he went up and danced in front of everybody. It's just you, like that. You gonna eat your tots? I said, yeah, I got some in my pocket. They're so good. So I have, I know we kind of talked about the mentor and what you had growing up, uh-huh. but now I think you serve as a mentor to a lot of young people. And I think that's a huge responsibility that maybe you don't necessarily think about. But as you've become this entrepreneur and you've become relatively successful at it, do you have someone that kind of took you under their wing that kind of led you down the path of, hey, when you own a business or someone that was able to kind of walk through some of those things with you as you've kind of, you know. 100%. I mean, so like when I was playing, I had um, I had five of the top 12 coaches in the world assembled on my team. So I had uh, Mike Bender as my swing coach, Stan Utley as my putting coach, James Seekman as short game, and then the team from Vision 54 as my mental side. And they're all top 10. So you could make a very strong argument, not just saying it, that I had the best team assembled on grass, like as a as a coaching body, at least by rankings. So Mike, who is basically like a surrogate father to me, I mean, I am forever indebted to that man. Um, as my swing coach, one is 
you know, he taught me, you know, basically every way he created the framework and the um, foundation in which I teach upon for swing stuff. But then also Mike's one of those guys that everything he does is very thorough, thought out. And like, he's just one of those guys, like he just succeeds at life. Um, and he's super humble um, and just like an amazing character. So I owe a lot to him, um, like a lot to him, maybe more than anybody. Um, did you did you seek him out or did he seek you out? Like, I, no, I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I worked with him as a player, but everything that he had ever said to me as a player when I was a player um, mm-hmm. and any with all these coaches that basically just stuck in my brain like glue. But then just like now, like I have a team of people who I surround myself with, right? So I had Mike Stan, James P. and Lynn, and now like I've got Glenn and I have Mike and I have another guy named Lauren Anderson and I've got, you know, this other guy, Andy Hiltz and, you know, Aaron Weir. I have these these team of about four or five people where it's like I got a decision. Like let me bounce it off you and 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 then I'll pull it all together, wrap it in my brain, and then that gives me peace in my heart that I go, hey, like they're on board. I'm on board. My heart's on board. The financials on board. Great. Let's go. And if it doesn't work, eh, whatever. You figure that, you know, as most entrepreneurs don't set that team up until later when they feel like they are successful enough to warrant or like it's okay to invest in that or to spend that line item. The, the, the entrepreneurs that put that team around them sooner achieve great results quicker. It's just a compressed timetable yeah, I mean, to get be, where it is. It'd be hypocritical for me as a coach to say I shouldn't have a coach. Right? I mean, I'll invest in coaching. That's a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> I, I need a button or something. I don't even, that is, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, so yeah. When you're on your team, is it more of a, is there somebody that says to you, like has more influence over you or power, or you feel like you still get to drive the bus and you're just getting the background noise and just you're driving along and they're like, they're talking to you and you can just do what you do. Is there anybody that stands out on that or is it more of an equal uh, weighted? Because some people have like, this person can tell them anything and they're going to just listen to it. And sometimes they just appreciate that person telling them something, but they're really not going to buy into it until they figure it out on their own. Do you have those kind of people on your team or is it really just still you just driving the bus? Well, to be honest, I think in, in a whole, in a, I think to be frank, like Leslie, my wife is that person. She is the, unfortunately, she's the, she's, sucked she, in. she's the springboard. I, the me bouncing a thousand ideas off and she's, um, she really is, you know, and, and this could be a, its own podcast oh, yeah. in itself of like what what makes a great marriage. Um, but she really does help me in creating, making me like the best version of myself in regards to there's things that she's really good at that I suck at. And there's things that I'm great at that she sucks at. And there's things that um, she helps keep me in line and she doesn't care who I am, what I've done, how much I make. It's like, no, no, like you're going to do this. And when mama says you're doing it you're doing it. So, um, she's really that, that person for me that has the ultimate authority. Like, you know, if I want to do something and she goes, Nope, then it's like, okay, like my love with you is more important than this. So, um, and, but you know, but she's very, she also understands like what makes me tick. So she's like, okay, I get it. You know? So she lets, she also like, she, you know, she, she lets me run. Which is which is amazing, but um, you know I've been with Leslie since I was seventeen, eighteen. So I mean we've been through we've everything, been through everything. Yeah, it's like there's a 
there's one thing about being an entrepreneur, but then there's the entrepreneurs and the spouses that love them. And like, that's a whole nother like module of how, how do you communicate effectively? Because I hate to tell you, but I'm pretty sure that you're spending more time working on your business than you were working while you're playing professional. I mean, yes, hands yeah, down. Yeah. But somehow you find the balance and maybe it's not because it's the travel and all that grind, but you're still I'm literally, I know you and yeah. you know, most of us are all the same way. It's a 24 seven proposition. You can, it's really hard to turn it off, but you do have special times where yeah, you shut your phone off and you don't, you're yeah, unreachable. You try, you try, I think that's the hardest part of an entrepreneur is just trying to f- make sure that when you're there, you're there. Um, and you're being very mindful and present. I think that's, that's probably something that I'm always working on in my character to just say, Hey, like I'm with my kids, be with your kids. And like when you're with your wife, like be with your wife. And then when it's time to work, work. Right. So, um, if you're coaching me, I don't want you checking your phone to see what else is going on. I want your undivided attention. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so it's always, it's, it's that, it's that balance of like, of what you're doing, but it's the same time, you know, it's like someone emailed me the other day or I was talking to someone. They're like, so well, I'll send you an email. Like, what's your personal email? I go personal email. Like who's got that? What, what's that mean? Like my work email is my personal email, which it's my wife. <laughs> so like. I, I don't even know what you're saying. I can't have two emails. How do I even keep track of that? 